Good evening, everyone. You know, every year I have to uh, set some time aside to remind myself why it is we call this day good. Uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, I was a little confused by it, um, and I kind of struggled to reconcile the apparent c contradiction between what we refer to as Good Friday and what actually happened on that Friday so long ago in Jerusalem. Because it was a day when a trusted friend of Jesus betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, and as a result, Jesus was unjustly arrested, beaten, and put on trial. Uh, it was also a day when his own people, the, the Jewish people, cried out to the Romans to, to uh, execute one of their own. It was the day authorities released a terrorist named Barabbas and kept Jesus in custody instead. It was the same Friday when his closest friends denied even knowing him to save their own necks. It was the day when most everyone mocked Jesus, including Roman soldiers who um, put a crown of thorns on his head, nailed him to a cr cross, and then hoisted him up to die alongside thieves. A history records it all happened on that, that one Friday. So why do, we, why do we call it good? What's so good about it? And I'm guessing some uh, in Jerusalem that day asked the same question. I've got to believe the disciples asked it uh, just the night before on Thursday. Uh, they ate dinner with Jesus in a secluded room in Jerusalem, celebrating Passover. Uh, they, uh, they prayed together. They sang together. And then just a few hours later, Jesus was being executed. I'm sure Peter um, saw a little good in, in the events of Friday. It was the day he acted like a coward, abandoning the one person he claimed to love and said he would die for. And yet when Jesus needed him most, he, he took off. He ran in the opposite direction. And what about Herod and Pilate? You know, do you think those two politicians enjoyed the no-win situation in which they found themselves? You know, should they release this carpenter in whom they could find no offense? Or should they, should they uh, um, cave to the demands of, of the mob uh, of people and sentence this innocent man to death? Politically, it was a no-win situation. And so... It wasn't a good decision either way. Even the soldiers who mocked Jesus, who beat him, who nailed him to a cross, I'm sure they couldn't find anything good about Friday. It was just another work day for them. It was the end of a long week. And I'm sure they were tired of having to execute these Hebrew thieves and troublemakers. Uh, there's really nothing good about standing around for hours watching people agonize and die. Um, and certainly Jesus' family found no pleasure in standing helplessly by watching him suffer, seeing his bruised and bloody body hanging on the cross, his innocent life draining slowly away. I mean, let's face it, from a, from a human perspective, there really wasn't much good about Friday. It was a day of betrayal. It was a day of injustice, denial, fear, suffering, mockery, abuse, blood, blasphemy, political corruption, tears, darkness, and death. You know, what it comes down to is the Friday Jesus was crucified was our worst day as human beings. So why call it good? For what it's worth, over the years I've come to understand um, a few reasons why. First, we call it good because on that Friday, Jesus fulfilled God's promise of a Savior. The Apostle John, who witnessed the event, records that as Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In other words, with his last breath, Jesus communicated that God's promise of sending a Savior to die for the sins of humanity had finally been fulfilled. 
It was a promise that God made uh, in the Garden of Eden. It was a promise repeated to Moses in the deserts of Sinai. It was announced in the courts of King David. It was this promise the prophet Isaiah spoke of more than 700 years before Jesus was born. He said, describing the coming Messiah, he said, uh, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer, to make his life an offering for sin. From the very dawn of creation, it was God's plan for Jesus, Son of God, deity in the flesh, to come pay the penalty for human rebellion, for our failures, our sin. Jesus knew the plan. He understood what he was sent to do. Uh, the Apostle John says, Jesus knew the hour had come from to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And as he hung on the cross, John says, knowing that everything was completed with his last breath of life, Jesus uttered those three simple words, it is finished. He fulfilled God's promise of a Savior, and that's, that's a good thing. Heaven knows we need one. But there's a second reason we call Friday good. At the same time, Jesus fulfilled his role as mediator. Rising to heaven alongside the sound of hammer on nails were three more simple words. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And I, I want to make sure that we understand the significance of that prayer because on our worst day as human beings, Jesus gave his best. At our lowest point, he raised us up. In his most painful moment of life, his thoughts weren't focused on himself. They were focused on, on you and me. I mean, Jesus was praying what he preached, forgiveness, mercy, um, unmerited favor, grace. He was fulfilling uh, his role as mediator, bringing reconciliation between sinful human beings and our holy God. He is, his, sacrifice, his sacrifice reconnects us to the Creator providing just payment for sin through his death as our intermediary. As the Apostle Paul puts it, this is good and pleased God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, all people. Through that simple prayer, Father forgive them, Jesus' role as mediator was revealed. And so with that being true, the question tonight is, have you accepted him as your mediator? Have you experienced the grace and forgiveness that he prayed for? Because that prayer was for you. It was for me. It was for all of us. Jesus is the one who brings us into a right relationship with God, our creator. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. And then there's one final reason we remember Friday and we call it good. On that day, Jesus fulfilled his role as the good shepherd. You know, throughout Scripture, men and women are uh, portrayed as sheep. In fact, Matthew 
Matthew records how Jesus was going through all the towns and villages of the region, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of, of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus told them, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Realize this, this image of a divine shepherd goes back into the Old Testament. Uh, the psalmist sings, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The prophets spoke of God gathering his people as a shepherd gathers wandering sheep. Uh, through the prophet Ezekiel, God declared, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them. I myself will tend my sheep. And understand, in first century Israel, where sheep herding was a primary occupation, everyone who listened to Jesus teach, they knew that being a good shepherd involved a protective concern and sacrifice. And it's that kind of commitment that Jesus referenced when he said, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Because of his love for us, Jesus came to fulfill the role of the good shepherd, to die in order to save his sheep. The shepherd became the sacrifice, so the sheep would be spared. The apostle Peter explains it this way. He says, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd of your souls. Listen, the death of the Good Shepherd was not an accident uh, of his life. It was the aim of his life. In his death, Jesus' divine purpose was demonstrated. The Good Shepherd came to sacrifice himself for wandering, helpless sheep like us. And that's a good thing. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus sat in a room with his disciples and tried to explain all of this to them. He tried to explain what the next um, couple days and hours were going to be like, what was going to happen. He wanted to, he wanted to illustrate for them what was about to take place. And so he took the, um, the unleavened bread, the, the Passover matzah, and he gave thanks for it and he broke it. And he said, take this and eat it. This is my body given for you. And then he took the third cup of Passover, known as the cup of redemption, and he gave thanks for it, and he told him to drink from it. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for you. Jesus appealed to his friend's sense of sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste to reveal his intentions, God's intentions. But then after providing this you know, graphic picture of upcoming events, Scripture says they ended their time by singing a song. And I remember the first time I read that, I thought, really, a song? I could envision sobbing. But singing? And then it struck me, you know, Jesus ended dinner that night with singing because the events that were unfolding were for, the, were for the eternal benefit of not only the disciples, but all of humanity. It was the culmination of God's plan of redemption played out in our world. Jesus' death would change the course of history. He would fulfill God's promise of a savior. He fulfilled his role as mediator, praying for our forgiveness providing a connecting point with God. And he accomplished the mission of the good shepherd. He laid down his life to save his sheep. And so they sang. 
Tonight, as we think back to what took place on that Friday long ago in Jerusalem, to the suffering, the humiliation, the pain, the darkness, the death of Jesus, let's try and see beyond the obvious. For on that day, hidden beneath the facade of human evil, lay the reality of something loving, something gracious, something divine, something infinitely good. In the next few minutes, uh, we're going to share communion together uh, because Jesus established it as a way for us to remember his sacrifice for our sin, the sins of the world. And uh, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to provide just some time of quiet for reflection, prayer, and, um, and then when you're ready, uh, you, can, you can come up front. We're going to have um, uh, servers, three different sets of servers, so you can make your way up front and receive communion, and you can, t- you can take it there if you'd like, or if you'd like to take it back to your seat, whatever you want to do. We want to give you the space to do it and the time to do it. Um, and so uh, when you're done, you just return to your seat. And then, uh, and then when we're all done with communion, we have a couple more songs that we're going to sing. And then at the very end, just like Jesus and the disciples, we'll go out into the night. Okay? Let's pray. Our Father, when we think back to the events in Jerusalem on that Friday... It's easy to think of it as brutal, unjust, dark, cruel. And yet beneath that, the truth is, there's goodness. Grace was playing out in the midst of human brokenness and sin. Your goodness, the goodness of a savior, of a mediator, one bringing us back to you the good shepherd who lays down his life for wandering, helpless sheep like us. I pray, Lord, in the, in the time that we have here, in the quiet, that we would reflect on that, that we would think about Jesus, what he's done for us, what it meant to him, what it meant to the disciples, what it has meant to the world. And uh, as we receive communion, May it be that reminder that touches us deeply tonight that we might truly give thanks for what has been done, what is truly good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.